0: of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark glory to you Lord Christ in those days Jesus came from Nazareth the Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan and just as he was coming up out of the water he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descend like a dove on him and a voice came from heaven you are my son the beloved with you I am well pleased And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. It's fascinating to note where exactly in the gospel of Mark we are today. Now, it's the beginning of Lent. We're in the first Sunday in the season of Lent, walking our way towards the story of Holy Week, the death and resurrection of Christ. We are reading Mark chapter 1. Verse 9, the story has barely even begun. We're only eight verses in. That is where Mark starts us today. It's almost as though at the beginning of Lent, we are beginning the entirety of Christ's story. Mark does not include a, a birth narrative. Instead, starting with baptism. And... Theoretically, the center of the gospel today is supposed to be about the temptation in the desert. Now, that's a story that we probably have some imagery around, because other gospels expand on it quite a bit, talking about the various ways in which Satan asked Jesus to prove that he is the son of God. Even our opening collect for today references that today is about that temptation. The collect of the day is the opening prayer, in our bulletin it's on page four, and it always connects in some way to the reading and especially to the gospel. It sort of is the summary of here's the point of today and what we're praying about. But listen again to this collect. Almighty God, whose blessed son was led by the spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know, the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save through Jesus Christ, our son, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Now, hear again exactly what our gospel says about the temptation. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. That's it. Two sentences, three maybe, given to the story of the temptation, which is theoretically the point of which we're praying about. And Mark gives us very little detail. It's almost a footnote in the story. That thing happened, but more importantly, look at what comes before and after. While we're given really no description of the temptation in the wilderness, we are given the voice that comes from heaven saying you are my son the beloved with you i am well pleased and we have the words of jesus himself the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe in the good news it's interesting to see how the gospel of mark focuses our attention by how much ink is given to different parts of the story the temptation is less important than what God says and what Christ says. Now, Mark is known for getting to the point. This is not a lengthy gospel given to much uh, descriptors. It helps focus us in on perhaps the heart of some of these stories. And it's fascinating that the actual words spoken by members of the Trinity trump what could be a very complex imaginative story that certainly other gospels spend a great deal more time on. Asking Jesus to throw himself from the cliffs or to make bread out of nothing. It's a fascinating story that has a lot of imagery we could pull from, but for Mark, that is not what we focus on. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is a gospel full of good news. This is a gospel where we have the heavens breaking open and naming Jesus as the son of God. And we're being told that the kingdom is coming. And no matter the amount of oppression or brokenness in the world, we are being asked and told and promised hope. Good news. Good news isn't always how we think of Lent. Lent we think of often as this uh, mandatory sad time. (laughs) A moment when we are meant to reflect upon our broken nature. But this gospel puts that brokenness of not our nature but of the world in relationship with the hope of a different sort of future. Part of the brokenness of the world, the need to repent, is this hierarchical structure that has oppressed and traumatized the people of God, where systems of power and authority have been abused and people have suffered for it. It is a system that is so ingrained in us in society of rulership over the people, that it's difficult to articulate a language or a way of being that could be anything different. Even our gospels talk of replacing the powers that be with the kingdom of God, yet another power, another patriarchal power, male-driven power, to replace the system we're used to. Trade out one authoritarian for another. It is so ingrained in us that it is difficult to see anything but a hierarchy. But our gospel is calling us to good news. And perhaps there is good news to be found if we can break free even from the ways in which our gospel writers imagined that we should envision the kingdom of God It's common for uh, modern theologians, especially if we try to break away from male dominated, male dominated language, to rather than say kingdom of God, to say kingdom of God, to take out the gendered language, to see something that is more inclusive, kingdomship, to be kin to one another. What would it look like if the kingdom of God was not about authority and ruling? What if it did nothing to replace that which we are used to, but rather abolish that which we are used to? An outside power that we're not waiting to come in and take over and tell us what to do, but that we are inviting in and co-creators of and co-leaders of. I hope you all were listening as we heard the great litany enacted this morning. For a moment, as I closed my eyes and heard the chanting, I could almost imagine us all in this space. It made my skin tingle to hear the bell. And I thought, yes, this is how we co-create the kingdom. The way in which our voices and our prayers and our music swirl together to form liturgy and ritual space and time and the essence of God amongst us. That is how we become co-creators of the kingdom. We are not receivers, but participants in making that reality present here and now. We are empowered to build something different and beautiful and full of good news because we know that Jesus is the son of God and we are the children of God empowered and called to create this beautiful and wondrous world. A very small handful of us gathered this past Wednesday for our first in-person liturgy in almost a year. There were only nine of us, 10 if you include baby Peter. But the palpable sense of God's presence was undeniable. And that's not because things are more holy when we are in person, but that we were able to lean into the relationships we build. And it is those very connections that create the kingdom. Yes, easier to do in person, but this morning as we chanted and prayed, I recognize there is no barrier that we cannot overcome to build up that kingdom. Because even through our screens, we built something beautiful and holy and filled with the spirit of God. May that good news live within us, stir within us and our spirits That holy joy and that good news that this year more than ever is what should drive us through this season and these stories. Because it is just the beginning. We are only in chapter one. There's a lot more to hear and to know. But we hear it and we know it with the knowledge and the lived experience of good news found in one another, in God's presence. Amen.